Welcome to the Avoiding Chores podcast. I'm your host, Jim Sear, and this is a podcast where we talk a little about outdoor recreation, gadgets, and stuff that I have been doing over the last few days to avoid chores. And let's start off with our usual Q&As. These are questions about uh, a number of videos that you can find on my YouTube channel or on avoidingchores.com. Let's start off here. Tim was uh, commenting on the uh, Garmin Instinct Navigation video that I did where I kind of showed how you can navigate uh, to a waypoint using the uh, this uh, smartwatch. So uh, he says here, I do not uh, have navigate on the instinct. I'm not doing something correctly. Once I press the GPS, I get a list of activities, walk, hike, cardio, but uh, not see navigate. Please tell me what I'm doing wrong. Thanks in advance. And uh, this seems to be a little bit of a change in firmware because Tyler commented just a few hours ago, same things happening to Tim is happening to me. When I press GPS, I get a giant list of activities. Nowhere in this list, nor the top of bottom is navigate is missing entirely. This is really uh, interesting because I would say this could have been a change in the firmware uh, where uh, if you go look at the video or the same thing with a lot of these new Garmin watches, when you press the GPS button, you have a whole bunch of activities that you can start recording or activity recording. Now with the Garmin Instinct, once you get down past the normal run, walk, bike, swim activities, just like on the Vivo Active or maybe some of the, the Forerunners, uh, you get down to some actual navigation aspects. So navigate, find me, save waypoint, that kind of stuff. Sounds like uh, two people here over the last few months uh, don't have that option. And I would guess that is a... Uh, firmware issue that took it out but as I indicated in my um, comment here you can always uh, when you're doing your activity press and hold the menu button and you can access navigation from there so you're not it's not removed it's just maybe just they had it in too many spots and I think also if you press and hold down the power button you also access some favorites or some quick links that way too uh, there was a, a question here about odor resistance. How about arch support, All right? So this was a comment here on my <laughs> Keen uh, sandals, uh, CNX sandals a few years ago. I think they were the Clearwater. And uh, this is always, uh, I get a few questions about this once in a while. Hasn't Haven't had any in a bit here. So question here was uh, Leslie was saying, how about, you know, how is the, the, the these Keen sandals for uh, resistance, arch support? Love the Newport sandal because the arch support. Uh, the CNX uh, sandals from Keen, I believe they have a brand new series out. Uh, so they're not exactly like the ones that I have. Uh, the thing with the CNX, that was following the, the minimalist trend of a few years ago where shoes or sneakers or the, the you know, the, the five-finger shoes that people were doing. But these were kind of low-profile sandals. I still have mine. Uh, they're, they're actually very comfortable. And I do have a pair of Newport. I would say uh, Arch Support is non-existent on that version that I was uh, showcasing on the video uh, that because it was following the minimalist trend. However, it was very comfortable. Odor resistance, yeah, not a problem. Uh, the, that is the good thing with the, with these Keen sandals, uh, or at least I've been lucky. Uh, you know what? Uh, they, they've been very durable. Uh, they, they're able to not get it all stink. And, and, and they're quite durable when you throw them in 
uh, a bucket to wash and to dry out. So now both of my Keen's handles are, are multi, way over. I think one of them is getting close to 10, <laughs> 10 years in age. Of course, then again, only wear them a few times during the year out here. But still, uh, they're, they're, they're a good investment when you find a good one there. Uh, let's see here. Yet another question about the button missing on my Fitbit Alta. I'm telling you, folks, this question comes up every week and uh, people are not realizing that it was it's a four year old video that that on a piece of so a piece of hardware that doesn't exist anymore got replaced uh okay so the uh, let's see jay was uh commenting on my garmin uh, gps map 66 he was uh he was uh asking if there were any long-term updates on the 66 uh so this is the garmin handheld this is the big one nice big screen big antenna has wi-fi bluetooth all the gadgets and doodads. Um, I no longer have it because I believe it has, uh, like I mentioned in the previous episode, was removed from the house by a third party. Uh, we had a, a few people in over the COVID, cleaners and oil tank people. Uh, and uh, that's within the time frame where I couldn't find my C6 anymore. And I usually leave my stack of uh, GPSs kind of around. So I think there was a, somebody took advantage of an opportunity here. So uh, the, the long-term update is that the firmware at, up until f end of February, um, the 6.6 was slowly becoming my handheld of choice uh, just because of the very big screen. Uh, the firmware had made the hardware a lot better because one of my first uh, complaints the very beginning is that the firmware was very glitchy, very slow, uh, but they really cleaned it up over the last year and a half, which is unfortunate. They took a year and a half to do it. I still had a problem with paying such a high price for the ST, and I feel really bad now because the fact that it's no longer with me, and I had a $100 SD card for maps, <laughs> it's a pricey thing to lose. Uh, but I was, I was really liking it. I was definitely using it all the time when I was taking out the fat bike. Uh, for navigation that kind of stuff so I really enjoyed using the 66 I've kind of transitioned to the eTrex 22x uh, that nobody stole that one um, so I'm using that yeah the smaller screen is is getting to me but as I did uh, showcase in the previous video the map product on the eTrex 22 is a lot better than what's on preloaded on the 66 so uh, I would say if you would find it secondhand at a reduced price around the $300 area, go and get it. But right now, when I paid it, it was almost $800. Uh, it's a little too much. I think, you know, depending on what you're doing, if you have work paying it for you, buy it. Um, be careful not to buy the in-reach version. Uh, but if you're just doing general stuff, I mean, the eTrex 22X is still a superb, superb unit here. Uh, okay, this is on the TomTom uh, Tom Runner, and uh, Gustavo was saying here, I can't download the Windows app on my computer. Now I can't reset it. Use the TomTom Tom Spark 3 that I just bought any other links. This is the problem. TomTom Tom exited uh, the running watch market, at least in North America, I think two years ago. So all these uh, TomToms that you see, they, they weren't bad watches, you know, uh, for, for very basic for what they were. They were, they were actually... I kind of liked using it. The user interface was actually kind of good. The only problem, the software was kind of glitchy. If anybody who's had any experience with TomTom car GPS is trying to update those things, oof. But um, yeah, if you can't find the software, uh, I would say you 
might have to dig very, very deep in the AtomTom support site and pray that the last version of software that they built uh, works on uh, Windows. All right, uh, Average Dude posted uh, a, vi a, video, a comment on my video on collecting field data with my Garmin Instinct. So this is a video where I kind of illustrated that you could use uh, the Instinct to record three simple aspects of field data when you're going out, which is a single point, a waypoint, a line, two points, right? Straight line between two points, and a polygon, right? Or an area. So I kind of quickly uh, demonstrated how you can go through and capture those topics. Um, Average Dude was saying here that I skipped through a lot of steps and not able to follow what you're doing at some point. And that's because the point of the video was to show how you can collect the field data, not to do the actual how-tos, which I covered in other videos in the same playlist. Uh, let's see, this is a Forerunner 35. Uh, Mike was saying here, um, how do I open settings to start GPS? So basically a lot of them is uh, the GPS starts when you start on the activity. So basically press the big start button, wait for the GPS satellites to get a fix on your location. A lot of the newer models will keep a seven day table uh, so that if you're in more or less in the same area, uh, it will start up a lot quicker because it kind of anticipates which satellites are in the area. Uh, before, back in the day, they would just randomly search to see which frequencies they would pick up from the 27-ish, 24-ish satellites and then uh, get a fix and then, you know, figure things out that way. Now, there's a little bit a little bit faster way of doing it. So that's why you notice sometimes uh, if you're in doing the same walk or run in the same area, uh, the, it starts up really quick. But if you, for example, uh, go to relatives or on a business trip and you start it up there out of the hotel, it takes forever to, to start up. Okay, so this one here was on an old Forerunner. Uh, oof, this is a Forerunner 600 or 915. Um, Fine. Apart from no info on the start screen, where do I start from? Oh no, this is from the. Uh, I'm sorry. This is from the uh, Map sixty two uh, project a waypoint, and uh, this is uh, usually you project a waypoint from your your current location, so you don't actually need to start from. There is an option to project a waypoint from an existing waypoint. So, and I think I show in the video that you can either save a waypoint at your current location and then project from that or from your current location. So uh, projecting waypoints, not something I do a lot of uh, these days. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Fersh was commenting on a uh, Garmin Phoenix video and uh, the, which was like, uh, oh, a good five years ago. And he says here, amazing how, how much has changed in five years since this. It's true. If you compare the uh, first generation Phoenix, which I still have, uh, to the new Phoenix 6, it is very, very different. Uh, Battersea 1984 was commenting on my Kodiak Canvas uh, truck tent video. Where are you getting your electricity? And uh, in that video, I was at Five Islands Provincial Park. Uh, which has no electricity. And that is the thing that I've kind of highlighted in a couple videos 
more recently, a couple of weeks ago, where I went over my truck camping bin, gadget bin. And one of the things that I carry is an extension cord and a little $20 space heater that you put underneath your desk, uh, just a very small little thing. And when I'm at, I prefer staying at provincial parks, at least out here, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island, very nice sites. Uh, if I am lucky enough to get a site that is that has two services, which is power and water, which is the trend nowadays, uh, they've been upgrading the sites. Uh, that is basically, you know, I would use the, that's how I get my electricity. Other than that, I don't depend on electricity. I have a couple battery banks uh, to keep my cell phone charged up, uh, Bluetooth speaker, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think I mentioned in a previous video or a podcast episode where I was looking at uh, getting uh, getting a better power station. So looking at a Goal Zero Yeti 200, I think that's the brand new thing that's out. Uh, there's also the Sherpa 100, uh, which could be a little bit more easier, could fit more what we wanted to do. I'm still I'm still debating. Uh, those two items are very hard to find in my area, and I can't necessarily buy them off Amazon because the whole battery shipping thing through countries and, and all that stuff. Anyway. Uh, okay, so I got another um, meandering Marley was commenting on my InReach Explorer video. Uh, says here, thanks Jim, thanks for great tutorials, just what I was looking for. Uh, and uh, those those older uh, inReach videos are still getting quite a bit of plays here where I go over every each aspect here. And let's see here. Uh, there was a 4Runner 310, Oof, going deep, deep catalog here. Uh, Derek was uh, mentioning here, thanks, I replaced the strap with the dual HRM. Uh, this was not mentioned in pairing in the manual. It's true, uh, you know, when you're pairing heart rate monitors and straps, uh, it's not evident in the earlier models how to do it. A little bit easier now, but it's good. All right, uh, World Wanderer uh, commented on the Instinct Track Me video. And he says, uh, thanks, Jim, for the 411 on Track Me option on the Swatch. I'm considering it for hiking feature think I noticed that the distance was being tracked during your demo even though you're not moving it looked like it advanced from zero to like 10 meters am I correct is there a pause feature using the track me option uh, if you go in um, if you go under the general uh, settings of your activity if you're doing like a hike for example uh, you should have the auto pause and auto lap and all those auto features available when you're doing it uh, definitely when you're recording the track, uh, when you're stopping, if you have the auto pause, it will stop the timer on top of stop recording. Doesn't, well, doesn't necessarily stop recording, but you know, he just stops at that point. Uh, the, the issue that he was uh, noticing here in the video is that, well, one, I was inside and two, that was the GPS drift, right? Uh, as, as we all know, GPSs, they transmit radio frequencies on uh, the FM band you know, in the two, three gigahertz area, I think. Um, and we're just receiving, it would be just like we're receiving a radio station on our GPSs. We just happen to be receiving seven, eight channels at the same time so that we can get our position. And just like anything else, when you have things buzzing above us at 20,000 20, miles an hour, uh, there's a little bit of discrepancy. And that's where that GPS accuracy comes in, right? When you see that little field, plus minus three meters, nine meters, 10 meters, that's called the drift, right? And the same thing with 
uh, you don't get 100% accuracy when you're in any GPS. Well, any consumer GPS, I should say. Uh, military, government, you know, the, the real ones, uh, you know, they're, they're accurate plus minus, you know, millimeters. Uh, for us, it's plus minus, you know, three feet. So there's always going to be a little bit of a drift. Uh, when you're outside, especially when you're stopping, if you look at your track, you're always going to be roaming a little bit, depending on environment, tree coverage, that kind of stuff. Especially when you're in the house, you know, it's good that uh, you, you know you have a good antenna when you're able to get a signal from, from inside the house, uh, but it's not essentially very accurate. All right, and let's see here. And that's about it. That's about it for Q&As, folks. If you have a question, like me to answer on your Garmin, you can uh, go to anchor.fm slash avoiding chores and there's a little leave message button and leave a message and if it's appropriate or I can answer it, I will uh, feature it on the next podcast. All right, let's start with the new segment or part two new segment, Stuff I Like. This is stuff that I've been ordering online and I've been using it and I've been loving it. This is, uh, I'm going to talk about flashlights today. And I noticed, or I got an email uh, from the the folks at Olight, uh, the olightstore.ca. You can find them in the States too. They're they're very popular last couple years. If you've been browsing the YouTube uh, outdoor community, you've been seeing people pushing uh, their flashlights. And uh, shout out to the Smoking Ape uh, down in the States. Uh, He was showcasing a lot of Olight flashlights and kind of got me hooked on the company and uh, they had a flash sale on their Canadian site otherwise I wouldn't necessarily be buying them but I did buy one it's called the P-Run Mini which is a very interesting little device it's very close to the S1R baton it is a very small flashlight it's a thousand lumens maximum output it's very impressive it's about the size of your thumb Right, if you were to dislocate your thumb from the socket there, you know, the second knuckle, that's about the size that you're looking at. Uh, comes with a clip, magnetic tip, has a rechargeable magnetic uh, kind of battery charger. It's very interesting, very interesting um, device. This one here comes with uh, a Velcro patch that you can. Uh, if you had a headband, you can put it on. If you had any tactical stuff, you can uh, clip it on your Velcro if you have a backpack. So it's very, very useful. Plus the magnetic bottom, you can clip it on anything. I use the S1R baton as a nightlight uh, because I can t- attach it to the side of the truck or on the, the inside of the poles, metallic poles. So it's very good. Comes with a rechargeable, uh, customized battery. Uh, takes a little while to charge up, but it's very cool. Uh, like I said, uh, maximum output, I think it's called Turbo, 1,000 lumens. Uh, that can uh, be bright at 250 meters, which is quite far. Uh, the high settings is 250 lumens, which is uh, around 98 meters distance. Uh, the medium is 65 lumens, uh, which is pretty much around most running headlamps that you see. Uh, low is uh, 15 lumens and um, which now you're getting up to like 25 hours of battery life and then you got the moon uh, is it the moonbeam uh, setting moonbeam is two lumens 
and that can last for four and a half days and that's a very good setting I, I use that quite a lot when I wake up at night inside the tent or if we're family camping uh, it's just enough light for you to like not trip over anything and it also has an SOS beacon uh, that will project the SOS Morse code signal under low that's good for a couple hours IPX8 52 grams uh, very very cool I am more than happy with it been playing around with it I like it it's very it's very familiar like I said to the S1R baton uh, but it's just that the light is not at the other tip of the flashlight this one has is uh, at 90 degrees so it's very it's designed to be clipped on like a shirt or a backpack strap belt clip anything like that so this is uh the stuff i like you can go check it out i think i have it on my uh, on my amazon store you can check that out or if you're interested in the s1r baton too that one i like that a lot and actually i use that i bring that with me a lot on my business trips if i'm walking doing a walk let's say at night from the hotel i'm on a trail and i want to have something to illuminate things uh having something very very small that clips easily to your belt, your your pants, uh, strap, whatever, and you have that ability to jet a thousand lumens. Uh, I can tell you that it, a thousand lumens is bright, and uh, that's a good thing for you know many different uh, types of situations. So, Olight Pre-Run Mini. Avoiding chores. Well, actually, not avoiding chores. We are doing the last push this week to get the house ready to uh, put on the market. And I've, I think I mentioned this in a couple of episodes, previous episodes. Uh, we decided, well, our original plan was to put the house on the market around May. And we were starting the process of the purging, doing the last bit of uh, renovations, that kind of stuff. I don't know, past year. And then, of course, March came things kind of went in the toilet for a couple months but in the last uh, two months specifically june uh things have been picking up the housing market here in halifax is absolutely insane especially for on the lower end you know basically for the first time homeowners anybody looking for their first home uh, which is what we want to get out of uh, it is super hot at the moment so we've been uh doing the last bit of purge we've uh, purged the house we've uh, extracted 10 cubic yards of junk various junk leftover lumber uh, metal hardware left by the previous owners a lot of stuff left from the previous owners in fact uh, shingles you know a whole bunch of doodads and knickknacks that uh, that uh, we were left with when we came into the house, and then we just slowly been you know shoving it in the basement and realized, that, hey, we gotta get rid of, get rid of this stuff. So we spent the last uh, I guess four months, basically the the length of the lockdown, basically uh, purging stuff, uh, buying these junkery bags, hauling stuff that can go to the landfill, recycling, selling stuff, sold my kayak because I don't have room for it and don't want it lingering around here. Not using it anyway. I sold it for a good price. Um, yeah, so we got uh, basically the house is 
pretty much show ready. We just got a handful of things that we need to do before we get the staging photos done and uh, put the house up on the market here in the next little while. So that's going to be very interesting. We also did uh, a lot of decisions, a lot of sign-offs on the new place. So that's going on right now. So that's very interesting. Of course, you read uh, stories here about uh, shortages in lumber. I guess Atlantic Canada, uh, a lot of people have been doing a lot of home projects during the lockdown. You know, you can't find wood or lumber at your local Home Depot or Kent for certain things. Paint, uh, a lot of stuff is, is going by. All the landscaping people are going crazy. I knew for us, part of our things was to buy a couple cubic yards of uh, mulch to lay down here just to put a fresh layer on top of it. So uh, a lot of people have been going pretty full pin in that industry. Anything related to construction industry, full pin. And uh, I guess June is not has not been an exception. And things are going. So now you have that typical thing, supply chains can't keep up with the demand plywood got to be uh, shipped from uh, the west coast instead of the usual east coast uh, mills so that's going to be very interesting to see but anyway we're this is part of our our stuff here right now and uh yeah once we get this done haul off the last few boxes to the storage locker uh, we should be uh in pretty good shape Camping is the go-to activity, the social distance activity of the summer, and a lot of people are taking advantage of that here in our, my neck of the woods in Atlantic Canada. As I mentioned in previous episodes, the camping is super popular because it is probably the only activity you can do that can maintain your social distancing and things relaxes here. So last week or this week, they, uh, the provincial park system opened up uh, at 100% their camping facilities. So before that, up to a couple weeks ago, they had basically only opened about half of the sites available for reservations. And uh, this week, they pretty much opened everything up. They staggered that over two days. I was able to find myself a couple uh, couple nights at five islands so we'll be uh, hopefully now we have a couple outings that we can do later on this summer when it gets a little bit nicer and uh enjoy ourselves here and of course it's the atlantic bubble right this is where we've uh, this is our second weekend now of people traveling from nova scotia going into new brunswick and or else go into pei uh, Nova Scotia has been kind of caught flat-footed. Uh, there have been a few stories about uh, American tourists trying to get to Prince Edward Island, getting turned back, and then they opted for Nova Scotia because there was no really tracking of uh, from regions that uh, are not uh, as open. So now this week they're, they're, they're establishing a few things, but on Friday there was this humongous backlog of people from Nova Scotia trying to get into New Brunswick or people from New Brunswick trying to get back home. Uh, you had a five, six kilometer uh, backlog on Friday afternoon, and then at some point around supper time they just waved everybody through, just, just go. <laughs> not, much, not much tracking here. Uh, I, I think they're gonna have to come up with a better system uh, than that. Uh, a lot of focus on staycations, as I mentioned here. Uh, a lot of the campgrounds are pretty full. Uh, they're not accepting any out-of-towners, uh, 
what I mean by that, outside of the Atlantic bubble, more or less, or I think, I think for Nova Scotia, they're not accepting it, but yeah, no, they, they changed it since, sorry. And then uh, Cape Breton Highlands National Park, uh, they're fairly open, but they're going to be booking up pretty quick towards the end of the year. So if you have not done your camping reservations at this point, uh, I would say that your options are very, 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 very limited right now. However, there are other opportunities you can do. Uh, a lot more hiking, a lot more biking is available across the province. Uh, there are a number of trails that are in pretty good shape. Got a little bit of money to fix up. Uh, there's a few outings that you can do. So there are a few spots you can go. One spot in particular was in Kentville, Nova Scotia. That's up in the Annapolis Valley. You can uh, do a couple things if you have a bike, depending on the type of bike you have. You can either take part of the 110, 120 kilometer rails to trail, Harvest Moon, that uh, you can start off from Kentville. And you can either head towards Grand Prairie, Wolfville, or you can go the other way. That's one area that you can do. Uh, or you can do uh, the ravine, which is kind of a hiking biking kind of uh, area there's also a, a mountain bike trails i forget the name of it there but it's very well indicated at the town where it is i forget what it's called uh, you can do that too uh, and of course you can do uh, the blue route which is if you have your road bike and you can do a lot of kilometers you can uh, drive or ride on the secondary roads here in nova scotia and get pretty far across the province so those are your options for biking recovery kind of camping right now boating of course you know a lot of boats from the yacht clubs here or the boat clubs here in the area especially in the bedford basin uh, got put to water over the last week or so uh, boating is definitely an option yesterday was perfect weather to uh, do some boating or kayaking or put a canoe and uh, the trend lately around here uh, has been uh, for people to get into these water sports. And we have uh, many, many areas. And I mentioned a couple episodes ago about the sports fishing um, free weekend that they had, basically, that, you know, you didn't need a license to go and try sports fishing. Uh, when you go to their website, you see all these uh, launch points that you can actually go and, 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 and really filter that down by if you're at your mobility restricted, you know, whether or not you can access, you know, the launch with a wheelchair or not. But you still have a lot of these public waterway access points. And plus you have all the lakes. There's hundreds of lakes that you can paddle in. So there's no shortage of paddle experiences provided of obviously you got to wear the right equipment but uh, a lot of people here are uh, i've been noticing a lot of pelican kayak uh, on top of people's cars and trucks uh, pelican they've been diversifying the last couple years right you know they've been doing the yeti cooler knockoffs uh, they've been doing kayaks now they've been they have both the sit on top sit in and fishing kayaks and I see a lot of people with them a lot of people the main uh, spot here that we can uh, get that is at Canadian Tire but if you're uh, I've seen them in Quebec and Ontario also more of the, the fishing thing you think our proximity to Maine we would see a big old old town canoe contingent here I gotta say old town canoe out here in Nova Scotia is 
very, very rare. You might see it more if you're in New Brunswick, uh, St. John, Fredericton, you know, up in Madawaska there, you know, uh, it's a little bit closer. You know, there was a one point that you can get, but those, they are fairly expensive uh, products. The benefit with the kayak uh, or the Pelican kayak is that they are really cost effective and uh, nice designs and fairly light. You know, one of the reasons why I sold my uh, kayak here last week, one of the main reasons I wasn't using it a lot, part of that reason was the thing was heavy. It was 72 pounds. It was like, yes, it was an Ocean Kayak Malibu 2, which is a tandem kayak. Well, you could put two people on it, sit on top of kayak, but the thing was 72 pounds. You look at the Pelican stuff, which is down in the 50-pound area, a uh, big, 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 big difference when you're putting it on a carrier or trying to haul it around or lifting it on top of your car. Very big difference. So uh, definitely uh, check that out if you're uh, in the market. I've been hearing very good things about it, you know, and for the cost, you know, it's a good entry point for doing that kind of stuff. And that's it for another episode of the Avoiding Chores podcast. Hopefully you've uh, found it a bit entertaining while you're listening. I'm probably going to be doing a few more things around the house to get this show ready. I got to move some boxes to the storage and I got to move uh, a couple bins of paint and chemicals somewhere to a recycling depot or find out if they're open or not. You can check things out on avoidingchores.com if you want to leave a little message that if you want to get featured on the podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash avoidingchores and we'll talk to you guys next time.